This is the Ruben Report Direct Message for today, July 21st, 2021. Do yourself a favor and subscribe to our YouTube channel, tap the notification bell, share our videos, and see what happens. You never know. Uh, we are doing a Q&A today. We got a whole bunch of questions at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, but before we get to the questions, I wanted to do one story today because I don't know if you've heard about this big tech censorship stuff. Have you heard that the tech companies like YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, that they don't want us to really be able to communicate with each other and that if they label something that goes against the narrative as misinformation, they might just delete it altogether and they might do that in coordination with the government. Well, yeah, it's happening. I think you probably heard about it. I'm just talking about it for the for the new people. Uh, well, just yesterday, White House Communications Director Kate Bedingfield was on MSNBC, that is a Democrat-controlled propaganda network on your local cable channel, uh, and she was saying that social media companies should be held accountable for misinformation. This is completely consistent with everything that is coming out of the White House these days. Uh, as you know, Jen Psaki, or Jen Psaki, depending on how you're feeling, uh, just said last week that the White House flags misinformation for Facebook, so the government is in cahoots with big tech. And then Saki also said that if you are banned from one social media site, you should be banned from all of them. So this stuff is escalating rapidly, but I thought this was worth playing because this is a new uh, player on the field. White House Communications Director, Kate Bedingfield. Well, we're reviewing that, and certainly they should be held accountable. And I think you've heard the president speak very aggressively about this. He understands this is an important piece of the ecosystem. But it's also the other thing the president has pointed out and spoke to when he was asked about this yesterday is it's, it is also the responsibility of the people creating the content. And again, I would go back to, you know, there are conservative news outlets who are creating irresponsible content that's sharing misinformation about the, vi about the virus that's getting shared on these platforms. Conservatives are creating content. We can't have that. They cannot go against the narrative. They're spreading misinformation. Not misinformation, apparently, when the lefties do it, right? You know, Brett Kavanaugh's a rapist, the Covington kids are racist, Russia collusion, Jesse Smollett was almost lynched, et cetera, et cetera. You guys get it. Now, putting aside the, okay, we only do this when, when it's Republicans who are saying things. Uh, putting that aside, I just thought I would talk about the First Amendment for a second, because you know the First Amendment does allow for misinformation. That's the thing with free speech. It's not just that it's speech that you agree with, it's speech that you don't agree with. So I would prefer that we had more people telling the truth in the public square, right? I would prefer that people went on CNN, people went on MSNBC, across YouTube, anywhere that, that communication is had. I would prefer that more people try to say something true. That's what I try to do here. I would prefer that people not lie. I would prefer that people not manipulate the facts, all of those things. The simple truth is, like put it, getting the politics out of any of this, regardless of how you feel about COVID, regardless of how you feel about Joe Biden or anything else, the simple fact is that by the very nature of the First Amendment, misinformation, lying, it is protected speech. You're allowed to say what you want in a free society. Now, I say that, 
actually slightly cautiously because even by saying that, well, that's gonna give fodder for the lefties to eventually attack the First Amendment. And there's just simply no doubt that they will. They don't believe America is good, thus they don't believe that our founding documents are good. And those Bill of Rights are attached to that Constitution thing. And they don't believe that that is good. So once you say to them, hey, guys, you know, misinformation is protected, they're gonna wanna start carving out some caveats in the First Amendment, and that's deeply dangerous. So just I'm just putting that here as a little marker because I have no doubt that that's coming, but it is true. You are allowed to spread misinformation, and to prove it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make three statements right now that are obviously misinformation. These are completely ridiculous statements, and you tell me whether I should be banned from YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, or have the government come after me for saying these three things. Statement number one, and again, these are completely ridiculous statements. Statement number one, AOC is smart. That is obviously misinformation. That is obviously a lie. That is obviously as far from the truth as somebody could get, and yet I just said it. Misinformation, I put it out on YouTube. Should I be banned? Should my channel be blown up? Should I be thrown into the gulag? Statement number one. Statement number two, Joe Biden doesn't have old person syndrome. He obviously does. Something ain't right. We all know it. The scandal is the non-scandal and that mainstream won't talk about it. Should I be banned? Should I be arrested? You tell me. And finally, statement number three, the show Friends was funny. It wasn't, I'm sorry. It just wasn't funny. I know I'm gonna get a lot of hate for that one, but Seinfeld, way better, and you gotta pick one. Just pick one, okay. All right, here we go, Ruben Report Q&A. Uh, we got a bunch of good ones and we mixed it up quite a bit. Candace says, are there any places in LA fighting back on the reinstated mask mandate? So, you know, the mask mandate just kicked in uh, midnight on Saturday. I was out to eat on Friday. It was uh, David's birthday and I took the whole crew out and we did a little virtual reality, which was kind of fun, and then we went out to eat. We were obviously uh, not killing people on Friday. Somehow if you, did, if you went out on Saturday and then that went into midnight, you were gonna start killing people. Um, I did go out once since, I mentioned it on the show yesterday. Uh, we did one more birthday dinner for his actual birthday because his birthday was on Monday. That was the, the group thing was on Friday, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I walked into the restaurant. I was not wearing a mask. David wasn't wearing a mask. His mother, his mother wasn't wearing a mask. We got some looks, but actually I got a couple looks of kind of like, yeah, you're doing it right, man. So I think it's sort of up to every place. And uh, you know, look, this woman, Barbara Ferrer, I don't know by what authority she's actually doing this, but we know that the police, the sheriff in LA said that he's not gonna enforce this stuff. And the only way, let me be crystal clear about this, guys, the only way we get our country back, our cities back, our towns back, our lives back, our families back, and anything that resembles anything close to what life was like a year and a half ago, which we, I'm sure most of us would gladly do if we could just do that. The only way we get to that is if we just start living our lives. Do what you think you should do. And uh, in my case, I, I am just not gonna wear a mask when I go into these places. And then look, if they're gonna force me to leave, I will leave. I'm not there to fight with the security guard or punch an assistant manager in the face, but I am going to live my life as a free citizen in the United States and see what happens. Fortunately, I don't leave my house much, but uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Talia says, do you have a special meal to celebrate going off the grid? And do you have any advice for someone to go off the grid if they don't have the ability to travel? 
So as you guys know, I'm doing August off the grid. This will be the fifth year that I do it. No phone, no TV, no news, no electronics. We're going away for a little bit. I'll do a little beach time. I'll catch up on some reading. Not doing much, actually. We don't have many plans. I'll see a little bit of family, but we're not gonna talk about current events. And then I come back on September 1st, uh, and uh, I guess I can announce it now, right? Adam Carolla is gonna be uh, guest hosting the Rubin Report that day, and he will get me caught up to speed over the course of about two hours on all of the things that I missed. I've done that with Shapiro and Glenn Beck and Michael Knowles, uh, but we thought it would be fun with Carolla this year. I think we're gonna do it from his studio. Uh, but my main purpose is just to give myself a little reset. It was sort of like, I was just doing it as a lark the first time that I did it, and each year it's become in a certain way harder to do because I have more businesses now and my life is just more hectic and everything else, but that's even more the reason to do it. Your question though is if I have any advice for someone to go off the grid if they don't have the ability to travel. Man, you know, just do some home projects. You know, like actually, well, one thing I would say for sure is actually lock your devices in a safe. I am literally, maybe we'll take a video of it, uh, but I'm going to hand David my phone and my iPad and my computer and he's gonna put them in a safe and lock them and that's it. That is absolutely it. He will have a phone, he goes like semi off the grid with me. He will have a phone in case there's any sort of medical emergency we need to know about or that sort of thing, but having nothing to do with, with news. Um, but I would say if you can't go anywhere and you're just in your house, see if you can do some home projects, maybe start a garden, uh, paint, a, paint a room, do some carpeting, like some stuff around the house. You know, we're all spending more time in our houses these days, for better or worse. And I love doing projects. Like I really, I, I've been loving gardening. I, I like painting, I like spackling. I like just doing stuff when I can do it. I like, we've, we've had an ant problem here. <laughs> like I like getting rid of ants. I, I like just doing stuff around the house and, and find that and you can almost have like little, little staycation right there. Uh, Brendan says, Scroll the other way, Michael. Brendan says, uh, should we start accusing the left of systemic racism? I hate to stoop to their tactics, tactics, but the constant and predictable dismissal and demonization of black voices coming from the right and the center, Clarence Thomas, Thomas Sowell, Larry Elder, is getting so old. These men are some of the smartest in America and they should be celebrated. Well, of course I agree with you that those guys should be celebrated. I mean, I've said it before, but I think when I look back on my career, one of the greatest moments will be that that viral moment that I had with Thomas Sowell when I said, you know, what woke you up from the bad ideas of Marxism? And he goes, uh, facts. The fact that that went viral, I've been included in Thomas Sowell documentaries since then, millions and millions of people saw that, and I have no idea how many people have then read his books and watched his videos like that. I had a little something to do with that is just awesome in itself. Look, Larry Elder, I love Larry. He's our guest this week, and he's in the middle of this fight to get on the ballot in the recall. He, he is not someone that thought he was gonna be a politician but he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm born and bred in LA. I love California. I wanna fix this thing. I'm gonna try and do it. So I, I'm, I'm really obviously hoping that he'll get on the ballot and then we'll take the fight right to Gavin Newsom. And just imagine Larry Elder, like trained debater, fact machine Larry Elder against evil cartoon villain Gavin Newsom in a, in a debate. It would just be awesome. Uh, but your question about whether we should really call them racist at this point, yeah, I mean, I think we kinda should. There's really nobody on the right, broadly speaking, that is trying to put racism into the system, that is trying to have policies based on race, 
race or keeping people out of school based on race or anything. The left is doing that. The left is punishing Asian people because they test highly. Uh, they are punishing white people because they want equity instead of equality. They are modern racists. And I, I hate to play those tactics, so I completely get the heart of the question. Um, but it's sometimes you, you gotta call a spade a spade. And in terms of America 2021, they are the racists, it's just true. Sam, what are you looking forward to the most when you go off the grid? Um, you know, for me, this really, it's sort of what I just said, but it's, it's just this like shut down mentality. It really is. Like I try to eat right, I generally try to eat right. I tried, you know, I try to eat right anyway, but like I really try to focus on that. I, I try to wake up and exercise every morning, which again, I try to do in my life normally, but like I can really focus on that kind of stuff. I'll catch up on a little bit of reading, uh, but I'm gonna spend a lot of days just staring into the freaking ocean. I, 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 that is fine with me, you know, a lot of people, They'll get to the beach and they like need to do things. You need to be doing a crossword. You gotta be reading. You gotta be texting with somebody. And like, I could just sit and stare at the ocean and have a little fish in the afternoon and wait till the sun, sun goes down and then have a margarita and I'm good to go. And I just wanna give like my brain some space to not be obsessed by all of this stuff. And, and uh, you know, the irony, and I, I wrote about this in Don't Burn This Book, is that I do some of these things in my life, as I said, with trying to eat right and trying to exercise and I don't bring my phone in the bedroom and I try not to tweet on the weekends and all these things. So it's like, it's not like I'm fully in the rat race as much as some people, but we're all in it too much. And I would include myself in that. And, uh, and the cool thing is, as it gets harder to do each year, that's gonna make me wanna do it more each year. Uh, this year, you know, we have so much stuff going on with locals right now, and I'll give you some hints in my off-the-grid live stream, the, the last stream that I do on July 30th before I leave. I'm gonna announce a couple things, and then we'll have some big announcements the day I get back as well. Um, but So it will be harder to at a business level, but I'm gonna figure out a way. Uh, Jill says, is there anything we personally can do to help the Cuban people from afar? What can our government legally do, if anything, to help overthrow the communist regime and or send humanitarian aid directly to the people bypassing their government? So that's the tricky part, right? Because you know if you send humanitarian aid, whether it's through a church or a temple or an NGO or whatever it might be, if the government is basically guarding the borders, right? They're dealing with the ports and things like that. Like whatever aid you're trying to get there most likely isn't going to them. By the way, that's one of the problems in a uh, communist society. You know, the government controls everything and when other people try to bring in ideas, bring in money, bring in food, bring in supplies, it's usually gonna make its way up to the top and not actually down to the people because they're just pretending that they're for the people. They're usually for the people, but it's the people up there, not the people down there. I don't know that there's much we can do right now other than keep talking about it. You know, it seems to have calmed down a little bit over the last couple of days, but to watch, you know, in essence, the Democrats basically defend the Cuban regime and make this all about, oh, this is because of America's embargo. Lift the embargo and then everything will be okay. It's like, no, if we lift the embargo, then the regime has that much more strength over the people. One of the beauties of the free internet for as long as we have a free internet, if we even have it at this point, is that people are waking up. The average Cuban citizen that maybe was on full information lockdown 10 years ago now has access to the outside world. And humans, believe it or not, they yearn to be free. And uh, I don't know, so there, I, I'm sure, you know what? I'm sure some people know. There's gotta be some organizations that can help you on the ground. So if, if you know of any, please do uh, comment right here in the YouTube comment section. And if I see anything good, I'll, I'll be happy to share it. Uh, Paige says, so Dave, my 18 year old daughter just got a turntable. What do you recommend for her first vinyl? Ooh, well, first off, 
we just got a vinyl record a couple days ago for David's birthday. One of uh, one of our good friends, Kelly. Shout out to Kelly. Uh, she is friends with John Mayer, and John Mayer has a new album out. It's called Sob Rock, I think, and it's very sort of eighties. Um, it's sort of like soft, kind of like it's like rock, but also like little bit of Dire Straits kind of sound. Um, it's actually pretty cool, really melodic. He does like a lot of guitar solos. It's actually really nice. Um, so we just got a John Mayer vinyl, but I would recommend you, like if, she, if you're looking for a vinyl, do, give me like a, like a Fleetwood Mac. See if you can get one of the like original albums, maybe Dreams, or, or just go with the greatest hits if that's all you can get. I think they sell them probably at like Urban Outfitters or something. And Fleetwood Mac is just, to me, they're, they're just the greatest band of all time. You guys know I love Sinatra, I love Frankie Valli, all that stuff, I like the crooners. But like Fleetwood Mac as a band, like a robust band doing like 40 years of work, they've broken up a million times, a lot of cocaine, this one banging that one, and but they always pulled it together. And little known fact, we got engaged at a Fleetwood Mac concert right here at the Forum in Los Angeles, California. Jill says, what are Larry Elder's chances of getting on the ballot at this point? Uh, by the time uh, you're hearing this right now, we may know. We may know right now. Um, another little known fact, I'm actually pre-taping this right now. Today's Tuesday in my world, it's Wednesday for you guys, but I'm on my way to Freedom Fest in South Dakota and we didn't wanna not give you a show on a Wednesday. Um, but Larry uh, should have an answer at any moment. Um, and it was very, very clear to me that if he did not get the answer that he wanted, due to this ridiculous technicality involving a, a redaction in one of the tax documents that included his social security number, that if he did not get the answer uh, that he wanted, that he was gonna be on the ballot alongside the 41 other candidates. And he's clearly the biggest threat to Gavin Newsom, right? So is it a little odd that they took the guy off who's the biggest threat? Like it's not Caitlyn Jenner that's the biggest threat, I'm sorry. Um, that if he doesn't get on, he's gonna keep fighting it. So we shall see, and I, and I hope he does. I just, it's what I said before, I just want him to get to a debate. You give that guy one chance for the debate to throw that knockout punch, and I know he can do it. Uh, Danielle says, looking forward to having you in the Midwest, Dave. Have you been there before? While you were there, have you set aside any time to meet uh, or interview the wonderful Christy Nome? So I haven't met Christy Nome. I would love to have her on. I think we've reached out to her team a couple times, but I would love to talk to her, obviously. I'm sure we'll get her on the show at some point. You know, the only time that I really spent any time in the Midwest was when I was touring with Jordan Peterson and we were through Iowa and Kansas and we were in Illinois and we were just bouncing. We were in Milwaukee and we bounced all over the place. And it was just great to be in the middle of the country because uh, I've only, you know, I grew up in New York and now I live in California. And it's weird because the things that I talk about, I think resonate more in the middle of the country. So it's very weird. I guess I grew up on these on these two other sides of the country, but somehow they, they pulled me together and, and the things that I believe in and care about really are nurtured and, and cared about right there in, in that beautiful center of this great country. Uh, so I would love to spend some more time. And you know, when my, nec my uh, next book comes out, which we're, again, we're announcing next week, um, there is gonna be a tour and I will make sure I make it to the Midwest. Uh, Geraldine says, how many COVID cases in the Texas Democrat circle will it take for the media to treat it like it would if it was a group of Republicans? Do you think the White House is losing the COVID narrative with the people? So this is a great question. If you're not exactly sure what she's talking about, I briefly mentioned it on the show a couple days ago. A bunch of te Texas Democrats who basically are against HB3, which is the, the bill 
to secure elections in Texas, okay? To make sure that you have an ID and there's a paper trail and all that stuff. They are protesting the bill, so they went on a private plane without masks. They went to DC. It turns out that four or five of them have COVID. One of them met with the Pelosi aide who now has COVID. These people have all also been vaccinated, so it's like, wait a minute, all of these vaccinated people are also still spreading COVID to each other. Uh, and then I guess one of them actually met with Kamala Harris, but then uh, apparently she didn't get it, but they had to rush her to Walter Reed. I think some of this is unfolding right now as I'm, as I'm taping this. Um, the answer to your question though is there's nothing that could be done that would ever get the media to treat this as if it was a bunch of Republicans. Imagine if a bunch of Republicans that were the minority, imagine if a bunch of Republicans um, from a blue state left that blue state, flew somewhere, flew to DC uh, without masks and then started spreading COVID in DC, the media would be calling them murderers, grandma killers, baby killers, racists, the whole thing. You're barely hearing this story, barely hearing the story because the media is just another arm of the Democrat party. It just is. I, it, it, all these things, these are things that five years ago, if I said, I'd be like, oh, that's a little over the top. And it's like, no, over the top is now the truth. Uh, Brian Allen says, I remember watching a discussion with you, uh, Douglas Murray, a young director, and Peter Bogosian. Is that documentary premiering on Locals? And if so, when can we expect this release? Yes, it's called The Woke Reformation. And you can go to thewokereformation.locals.com and you can watch the whole thing and you can interact with Douglas and uh, Peter and the director. And it's a really great, um, it's a great piece on just how to fight wokeism. Because in case you don't know, we've got to fight it. It's a, it's a big problem. Uh, Madison says, is there a group or grassroots organization you could recommend for freedom-loving people to join to help make a difference in the fight for our liberties? Yeah, I mean, maybe this is gonna sound cliche coming from me, but I would say join PragerU. I mean, they're, they're a nonprofit, right? So PragerU puts up those videos, they get those videos sponsored. So, you know, it costs a certain amount of money to, uh, to produce those videos and then to promote those videos and everything else. Now, I, I suspect you weren't just talking about a financial way of getting involved. Uh, but one of the things that PragerU is doing right now is uh, they're doing a ton to fight critical race theory. And, and they're actually writing documents uh, that they are trying to give to public schools so that they can use an alternative curriculum, cur cur curriculum, curriculum, uh, as opposed to this uh, critical race theory stuff. So they're doing a ton there. So you can, you know, you can obviously always uh, donate money, but you can volunteer and there's plenty of other organizations. Actually, this is very similar to a question that was above related to Cuba. So let's make this comment section all about how to help people. If you wanna help people fight critical race theory, if you wanna help people uh, get, you know, access to, to maybe food and information, whatever it might be in Cuba, uh, go ahead and do that. Oh, and PragerU has a program called PrEP, which is PragerU Resources for Educators and Parents. That's where they're really doing the, the main fight against critical race theory. And uh, you can take part and you know what? Maybe we can fix this damn thing. I think anything's possible. Uh, guys, I am at Freedom Fest right now. I know you're watching me on YouTube. 
but that's the magic of videotape. I am actually at Freedom Fest right now. I may do some, uh, some Locals exclusive stuff while I'm there. So don't forget to join us at rubenreport.locals.com. There will be no direct message Thursday and Friday because I am traveling, uh, but I think you'll be okay without me. And part three of my interview with Larry Elder is up on the YouTube right now. And of course the full thing is already up and free once again at rubenreport.locals.com. Okay, ciao. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.